So, um, I'm not going to talk about the series we've been talking about from um, theology to reality. We'll talk a bit, a bit more about that next week. We'll link it all to Christmas next week. But I want to talk, I want to kind of connect this with, with uh, Peter, actually. Peter, who's been dedicated. You know, Peter, as we mentioned, he has a great name. And a name means rock. Literally means rock comes from the word, as I mentioned earlier, it comes from the Greek word. And Greek was a common written language at the time the New Testament of the Bible was written. And Greek, uh, the Greek word is Petra, literally means rock. You know, it's just derived and as, as words do, change over the years. And that's P- Peter in English, okay? becomes the word Petra, which literally means rock. So I want to talk this morning about, about Jesus being our rock, about Jesus being our rock. And kind of the title of my message, and this connects with a, a, a dedication, but connects whatever age we are, is what are you building your life on? What are you building your life on? You know, as I was kind of thinking about this, I was thinking kind of a, a natural analogy um, of, of rock and what rock does and, and looks like. Um, you know, we're, obviously we live on an island, certainly Great Britain is an, is, is an island, and erosion is a real problem in Britain. There's other places in the world where it's much more of a problem than it is here, but it's, it is, is an issue. And we've got, we have local issues, you can see it down at Leap. They had to build a building up on stilts, and that was all because of erosion and, and, and floods and stuff. You know, the Isle of Wight has got huge problems with erosion. You've been especially to the southern side of the Isle of Wight. A lot of, a lot of it's disappearing into the sea, isn't it? Rapidly in places. But, but the reason that's happening with the Leap or the Isle of Wight is because the, the, the cliff faces there are very, very soft, often made of sandstone, and it's very, very soft stuff. It's very easy for storms and, and floods basically to, to destroy it and to, and to wear it down over time. Now, if you take kind of like the at other end of England, somewhere like uh, Land's End, you're from Cornwall, aren't you, Matt? Land's End, lovely part of the world, Cornwall. Somewhere like Land's End, anyone been to Land's End? A few people. Beautiful part of the world. You kind of literally feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's an amazing place. But the difference with Land's End, and Land's End is right in the, on the edge of the Atlantic, so Cornwall's so good for, for, um, for um, what's the word? I think of the word now. Surfing, that's the word. <laughs> Look at the word. That's why Cornwall's so good for surfing, especially Newquay in that area. It's like one of the best places in Europe for surfing because the Atlantic obviously gets much bigger storms, much bigger waves, etc. Anyway, so in Cornwall, it gets kind of get buffeted by storms. But what's amazing about Land's End? Land's End is made, the cliff faces there, if you, if you see, I haven't got a picture, but if you've seen them, they're, they're made of solid granite. Totally different to say Leap or the Isle of Wight. It's all sandstone, soft stuff. Whereas uh, at Land's End, it's solid, it's solid granite. There's stuff that people want to make, you know, the re- really expensive worktops. Everyone's <laughs> blessed with granite worktops. It's the best stuff you can have, isn't it? Because it's totally water resistant. No water's ever going to get in it. It's not like chipboard worktops, which water can start to get in and it starts to bow. It doesn't go funny. Um, it, it, it's solid granite. So although it's buffeted by these massive waves that has all the Atlantic coming against it, you know, especially this time of year and the storms we've had over the last couple of weeks, it's basically it's still there. It doesn't really erode, maybe very slowly at times, but, it's, but it just kind of stands there. Whereas us, kind of in the Solent, which compared to the Atlantic is pretty tame, isn't it? Um, you know, the, the cliffs erode because it's all soft. Does that all make sense? Okay, so I'm using that analogy to illustrate a point I'm now going to make. Okay, because Jesus talks about this. Okay, didn't talk about Leap or the or Land's End, obviously. Okay, but he talks about, talks about this principle. What are you building your life on? And he talks about, about rock and about himself being the rock. So this is recorded in Matthew 7, verse 24 to 29. Jesus said this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words should be on screen for you. I think it will, will appear. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So it's a well-known passage that, that, where, where Jesus lays this out about what it means to build your life upon the rock and about the storms of life. You know, as we come up to Christmas, of course, as, as, as Christians, we're focused, and there's loads of great stuff, all the great trappings of Christmas, and, and it's a great fun time and a festive time, but ultimately what it's about is about, it's about Jesus, amen? It's Christmas at the end of the day, right? It's about Jesus. It's about, about the birth of Jesus, and it's, it's a time of year when we specifically celebrate that. Jesus almost certainly wasn't born in December. We all know that, and hopefully we all get that, okay? But it's just a time of year when, when, we, when it is celebrated, okay? And name... Uh, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. We believe it's God that came to earth, and he came to earth 2,000 years ago. He came for a purpose uh, and a plan, and the whole plan of God was for him to take his sin upon himself and to die upon a cross and to, to be raised from the dead. Okay? But, once, but this is a great thing that Jesus talks about here. What do you build your life upon? And there's lots of big questions Jesus asks. Who do you say I am? It's another one of these huge questions. And that's still a big question out in society now. It's who is Jesus? What's this all about? There's hundreds of millions, in fact, billions of followers of Jesus. There's been no more influential human being that's ever existed. I mean, I don't think anyone could argue with that principle. There's plenty of evidence Jesus existed. I read reason that even Richard Dawkins finally, finally, bless him, has finally accepted Jesus existed. That Jesus existed. There's no serious historians who anyway question if Jesus existed or not. Okay, so, that's just, so I know Jack, my son Jack was telling me at school, lots of his friends, he think, think that Jesus is a fairy tale, like it's Cinderella, <laughs> Disney came up with it or something. No, Jesus definitely existed. No serious historians question that. And even atheists accept it, that he existed. Okay, so, but then, so we accept that so Jesus existed, so what, what are we going to do about it? And Jesus asked a question 2,000 years ago, still a big question, who do you say I am? What's it all about? Hundreds of millions, in fact, billions of followers around the world. No one more influential human in history. What's it all about? Who do we say Jesus is? So there's, there's some huge questions in there. And Jesus also asked about who do we build our life upon? And Jesus was encouraging us to build our life upon, upon him. Amen. So he was talking about having a strong foundation. He's saying, basically saying, Jesus was saying this, is that storms will come in life. If you've lived more than a few days or years, you know that storms come in life, right? They do. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian or, or whatever you're doing, the storms are going to come. There's going to be things that are unexpected, things you've Things you think, why has that happened? I don't, I don't understand. And they're the storms of life. This is what, what Jesus is talking about. But what happens in the storms of life is dependent upon what you've built your life upon. Because you can build it on sand or you can build it on, or build it on a rock. You know, to use it to the building analogy, this is very true, isn't it? That if you build a house or extension, we built a kitchen extension about three weeks ago. Uh, three weeks ago, three years ago. It wasn't three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> that would been a quick extension. Uh, we built it three years ago. Um, and when you build an extension, then you, there's a whole load of building regulations that have to be followed, don't they? Anyone's ever done that? You have to get a building, a guy called a building inspector, comes from a local council, costs a lot of money. Probably, maybe it doesn't need to cost as much as it does. <laughs> I'm sure someone's making money somewhere. Anyway, but you have to pay the fee because you've, you've basically just got no choice. Um, and then a building inspector will come and they will check the progress of the work that's happening. They will check that the foundations are being built properly because if you don't build and i think like some like extension has to be like a meter deep of concrete etc 
and, and they come and check that they're all built properly. Because otherwise it could look great on the surface, but over time it would start to subside, wouldn't it? You start to have, you start to have issues. The weight of the building, you know, whether it's bricked or timber frame, whatever, the, but the weight of it would, would gradually sink and you'd get cracks in your house and all sorts of issues. So the principle of this building inspector is to stop that happening, right? I agree, right? That's the principle of it, okay? But Jesus is making this same point about what do you build your life on? Because if you don't want to have cracks in your life, if you don't want to have subsidence in your life, then you need to build on a firm foundation. Amen? As, as parents, to go back to dedication, as parents, we believe we have a responsibility to teach children what to build their life upon. As Matt and Emma have got that responsibility to teach Peter and, and Isabella, of course, what to build their life upon. And we believe that there's no better place to build your life on than Jesus. Amen? As a church, that's why we put so much value on our kids' church, on, on our youth, ignition and momentum. That's why we believe it's so important just to give them the best possible opportunity to build their life on solid foundations. Amen? You know, the reality is this world that we live in, it is shifting sands, isn't it? If we haven't learned that over the last two years, <laughs> with everything that's happened in our world, not just here, across the world, that the world, there's not really many solid foundations in this world. I don't know, what, I don't know how else we could learn it, right? It's a reality. Good foundations are absolutely essential because life is shifting sands and it seems to be shifted more and more and more. There's, kind of, there's nothing you can kind of like hang your hat on anymore, is there? Everything just it constantly changes. And, and the things that people have trusted in for years and years and years are shifting. So what other things do people tend to build their lives or put their security in? Some people put their security in money. You know, we live in a Western capitalist society. Many people put their trust in money. Well, you can't take it with you. That's the reality. Can we really put our trust in that? Some people put their kind of trust in and kind of um, uh, just, just, just pleasure, making yourself just feel good. If it makes me feel good, then I'll do it. So some people put their trust in that, or that's their, or that's their goal in life. And don't get me wrong, as Christians, we're not against fun. We're not anti-fun, definitely not. Okay? But I'm talking about people where it's just kind of, you know, just me, me, me. It's all about me, it's all about what makes me feel good, and, and that's all that matters. Some people, yeah, just become very kind of uh, self-focused, you hear, you hear this a lot in society these days, you know, my truth, this is my truth, this is my rights. You hear it all the time, don't you? Even the word selfie, it's all about me. It's me, 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 me. I don't know if anyone else picked up on that. Okay? But what, like I said, the last 18 months has shown more than anything the fragility of life. And that the things that we can put security in, that people put security in, they can change very, very quickly. Right? So here's my question to you this morning. When all that is stripped away from your life, when the storms of life come, what do you have left? What are you building your life upon? What are, what are those foundations? What, what, what is going to help you in that situation? Amen? And, and my encouragement as a pastor would be to build your life upon Jesus. I've experienced that in my own life. Uh, the value, value of that when the storms of life come. And myself, Wendy, we face a whole number of storms, not on our marriage, okay, before you're wondering, okay, but just through circumstances that we've gone through together. But to know that that sure foundation in our lives, amen, to know that he's totally dependable and that you know, here we, we still are, amen. Our life hasn't collapsed. All that God has intended to do hasn't, hasn't collapsed because it was built on a sure foundation, amen. It was an old, it was an old hymn, um, some, of, some of you may know, this, may know this hymn. It says this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust on Jesus' name. 
On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And, and Hillsong did a song a few years ago based on that called Cornerstone. They kind of borrowed it and modernized it. Okay. Some of you may know that song. Okay. But, but it's so true. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground, anything else you can build your life on, it's effectively it's sinking sand. When the storms of life come, you're going to be like, I don't know, like a Cliff Elite Beach or Black Gang China on the Isle of Wight and all those places that have got real issues. When storms come, it's just going to be, it's just going to be soft. You're going to start to collapse. It may take a bit of time, but that's, that's what will gradually happen. There'll be subsidence. There'll be cracks appearing in your life. You know, and that is not God's heart for you and God's intention for you. Amen? So I want to talk about what does it look like to build your life on Jesus. You all still with me? Fabulous. Okay, I'm going to look at five different things quickly. I know time's going quick as well. I'm look at five things quickly. But Jesus, what, Jesus was amazing, wasn't he? And Jesus' teaches is, is, is amazing. And Jesus spoke into every area of life. It may have been 2,000 years ago, but it's just as relevant then, uh, it's just as relevant now as it was when, when he said it. The same, people still face the same issues, the same, the same challenges. Amen? The same storms. Like this context will be slightly different, but the main issues are the same. So first I want to talk about the rock of Jesus in your marriage. If, you, if, you're, if you're married this morning, or you have every intention of getting married, then I want to encourage you in this. Jesus had a lot to say about marriage and about what you build, uh, your life. The pond, when Simon and Katie got, are you, Simon and Katie got married, uh, we, we talked, this was in my kind of uh, message about what, what do you build your marriage upon. It's what we talked about. Connected with you, your love of Lego and stuff, your love of building stuff. But God wants to be, or Jesus wants to be the rock in your marriage. If you're, if you're married, God, Jesus wants you to be the rock upon which you build it. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean to say you aren't going to feel, feel storms you know, as a married couple. Everyone know that. Being anyone who is married, no, that's a reality. You still may have financial things. You can't. I'm not, I'm not predicting negative stuff over your life, speaking out of your life, amen, obviously. Okay? But these just may be realities. You might face financial issues. There could be other issues. There could be health things. There could be issues with your house. There could be issues with your job. There could be all, there could be all kind of pressures um, that can come. And just because we're, we're, we're Christians doesn't mean we, don't, we never face any of those things. But it's about, again, what is your life built upon? Amen. Jesus said this, Matthew 19, verse 4 to 6. He was quoting from Genesis, uh, right at the beginning of the Bible. Jesus said this, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And it said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God, this, this bit gets quoted at weddings. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate or let no one put asunder. In King James, which is often mentioned at weddings. Therefore, God has joined together, let no one separate. So this is God's heart for marriage. But remember, this is all about Jesus saying, if you hear, the, hear his words and then put them into practice, you're building your life on a rock. Amen? So we need to put those things into practice. This is how God sees marriage. God sees you as one, as one flesh, as one, as one being, as one, as one unit that he's brought together and wants to bless. Amen? What God has joined together, let no one separate. And I always say this to married couples, when I'm counseling married couples, whether it's pre-marriage or we're just talking about the wedding or whatever, to, just to build their marriage on Jesus, to make that a central rock. And if, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about the three-corded strand. I believe that God will be like the, you know, kind of the rope that binds you together or the, well, the glue that, that sticks you together. Amen? Make sure God is the very center of your marriage. Because then when the storms and the wind and the waves come, you'll be built on a sure foundation. Amen? 
It's God's intention for you to operate as one unit, I believe that means in, in, in every sense. Of course, there's a sexual expression to that, which is often quoted in that sense. But just to see you as one unit in a, in a financial sense, the one you bring up your kids, to have unity between you, to talk about stuff. If you ever disagree, to talk that stuff through. That's just part of human nature, right? You may have different opinions about stuff, but, but talk it through. But God wants to bless your marriage, but the foundations are the, are the key to having a great marriage. And I'm sure everyone here wants to have a really amazing marriage. Amen? Praise God. What God has joined, let no one separate. Okay, secondly, Jesus wants to be your rock in your friendships and in your relationships. Of course, marriage is one of the relationships, but just in your relationships generally, in your friendships, in your relationships with your brothers, your sisters, your parents. Jesus said this, John 15, so remember John, Jesus speaks into every area of life. John 15, verse 12 to 13. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So this is Jesus demonstrating what it, what it looks like to build great relationships in life. And this would also apply to marriage as well, because we're looking at it in just a general context of relationships. To lay down your life for each other. That was the example that Jesus came. This is something that we can then hear and put into practice. Build our life on a rock. Amen? If, if you're a parent, I'd encourage you to lay down your life for your kids. If you're married, I'd encourage you to lay down your life for your spouse. Amen? There's a no greater demonstration of love. And when we put that into practice, you're building your relationships on a rock. So that makes sense. So, so when the storm and the wind and the waves come, again, they won't be affected. They'll have a sure foundation. Amen? If, you, if you've got children, Jesus wants to be the rock in that situation. To be the sure foundation upon which your relationship with your kids is built. Jesus loves kids. We, we, we quoted this earlier during the dedication, Mark 10, verse 13 to 14. And it says this, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands upon them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs such as these. Jesus has such a heart for children. You know, it's why as a church we believe it's really important that the, that the children understand they're very much part of our church. Whatever, whatever age they are, Peter understands. He might not have the full understanding of this yet. Okay? But, but even at that age, they're still very much part of our church. Amen? They're, they're, part of, they're part of who we are. They're not part of the future church. They're, they're part of the church now. Amen? It's true for our you know, preschool kids and, and, and kids' church ignition, momentum. They're very much part of who we are. Jesus has a massive heart for kids. Amen? Just always remember to, whether it's with your own kids or whether you just think about other, whether you're praying for other kids in the church, etc. And let's be people who commit to do that. Remember God's heart for children. God loves kids. God loves the way that children approach Him because they don't they don't try and work everything out. They haven't had all the kind of knowledge from the world to confuse them, to, to distract them. Um, it's like. Well, if Jesus says I can trust him, I, I can trust him. I love that about kids. <laughs> so, so often you can learn lessons from your own children, can't you? Because they just implicitly just trust God. If you, well, if God says I can trust him, well, I can, I can trust him. They don't try and analyze it. They don't go some, through some logic. Men are notorious for this in particular. But, but ladies, I'm sure it affects as well. But men for trying logically to work things out. Well, if I do this and I do this and if that. If, or, or to try and fix everything, try and sort everything out. But kids, kids just don't think in that way. It's like, well, if he said I can trust him, I can trust him. Amen. I mean, and that's the same heart that God wants us to have. But in our relationship with our children, let's just let's teach them correctly and teach them how to build their life upon the rock. But Jesus loves kids 
Amen. That's such a heart, heart for children. Amen. So we've looked at the rock of Jesus in your marriage, in your friendships and relationships, in your children. Jesus even wants to be the rock in your finances. You know, in this world, I've talked about this world being shifting sands. Financially, there's not even that much you can put your security in, in these days. Everything just, is just constantly shifting. And Jesus dealt with this in, in many different ways. It was still an issue even 2,000 years ago, people putting their trust in money. It was still a big, big problem. There was a huge disparity, just like we have today in, in uh, Roman times, which, of course, Israel was un, in the Roman Empire, as Britain was at the time. Um, in the Roman, Roman Empire at the time, the, the New Testament was written at the time Jesus was on earth. Um, and, you know, there's a huge disparity between rich and poor. It's all the same sort of issues we have today. The rich just did whatever in the world they liked. People were just kind of secondary. Slavery was rife. Uh, even child slavery was rife. It, it, the Roman Empire was awful. Um, even by today's standards, some of the things we complain about today, it was, there was a lot of terrible stuff that, that went on. People were treated like dirt. If you couldn't pay off a debt, you couldn't go bankrupt or anything like that, you just became a slave until you paid your debt off. And if you never paid it off, you were a slave for the rest of your life. And kind of everyone was good by the women, not good with it. They just had to accept that's the reality. And the rich just did whatever in the world they liked. And that's just, that's just kind of how it worked. So this is what, this is what Jesus was, was, speaking, was speaking into. So Matthew 22, verse 15 to 22, says, Then the Pharisees, so that was a, a sect of the Jewish religious leaders, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent his disciples, sorry, they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, that's another sect, another group of the Jewish leaders. They sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you're a man of integrity, and you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. They didn't believe that at all, but anyway, they thought that was the right thing to say. <laughs> we aren't, you aren't swayed by others, which is true, because you know, pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? So the context of what was going on here is that the Roman Empire was really, really hated. I mean, I know in this, in this country, in America and other places around the world, we get governments sometimes that are really unpopular or very, you know, very divided, divided opinion about who's right and who's wrong and which party's right and which party's not right. But in, in Israel's time, it was actually pretty clear-cut. The Roman Empire was hated by the Jews. I mean, seriously hated. And if you, if you like, like Matthew, who becomes one of Jesus' disciples, or Levi, he's also called, um, he was a tax collector. So he was hated, even by the other disciples, struggled um, to kind of accept who he was because he was seen as a traitor. He worked for Rome. The tax collectors ripped everybody off anyway, so that was a whole other thing. They took their own cut. You can read about that with Zacchaeus, who was also a tax collector that Jesus impacted and he promises to pay back four times what he'd stolen. So stealing from people was a huge issue, and the Roman Empire was just hated you collecting taxes for Caesar. So this is the context in which Jesus was saying all this stuff, okay? So it's important to understand the context. But then Jesus makes, Jesus makes a point of making a wider point about finances, about what is your foundation again. Jesus, knowing that evil intent, because Jesus always understood people's hearts, verse 18, he said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Because basically they were trying to get him to say, well, should we pay, not pay the tax to Caesar? If Jesus said, well, no, we shouldn't, then they would have said, well, you know, your disloyal to Caesar would have contacted the Romans and tried to get the Romans to kill Jesus. Um, yeah, and if he said, well, he should, they would see him as a traitor and not really Jewish. That makes sense. So this, this is a trap they're trying to lay for Jesus. Obviously, Jesus saw right through it, as he always did. Anyway, so you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, which is one of the Roman coins, and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscriptions? Caesar's, they replied. So just like our money has the queen on it, you know, there's had Caesar on it. Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, to give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. They left him and went away. So as Jesus saw through their trap, but also had a great answer. And this is true for us 2,000 years later. 
you know, give to the government what's the government, we pay our taxes, we do what's right, absolutely. But, we also, but more, even more importantly, we give to God what is God's. Amen. We put God first in our finances. We tithe and we give and we believe being a generous person is, is part of having a, a, you know, a Christian heart, etc. Amen. We give to Caesar what is Caesar's, we give to the government what's the government's, but we give to God what is God's. And then when you're building your finances on a sure foundation, by putting God, God first. Matthew 6, 33, seek his, first his kingdom and all his righteousness. All these things will be added to you as well. Amen? So you can have a sure foundation even in your finances. And, and, and finally, number five, and there's others we could have talked about, but this is the final one I'm talking about. Is the rock of Jesus in your health? In Mark 5, verse 32 to 36, and it's recorded number, numerous times of Jesus healing people and miraculously healing people. Mark 5, verse 32 to 36 says this. And the context is scripture. Um, I haven't got time to read the entire passage. Just the context of this script. This is the woman with the issue of blood, the woman who, didn't, who couldn't stop bleeding. And she went to try and find Jesus. She'd been to see loads of doctors and couldn't get it resolved. It says this. So Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, so who had touched her. Okay? Who had touched him, sorry. Jesus kept looking around to see who had touched him, who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, who's a synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. And a miraculous healing takes, resurrection from the dead take, takes place. The girl's miraculously healed and restored. These great words, don't be afraid, just believe. So I believe in terms of our health, that we can trust God in it all. You know what? I don't want to pass who talks about COVID. We've talked enough about COVID. <laughs> Everyone's talked enough about COVID for the last two years, right? But what I am saying is that you can trust God with your health. That's what I absolutely am saying. Nothing wrong with going to a doctor. We're blessed with a free health service. You know, it's, it's the envy of many, many parts of the world. We have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. I know it's not perfect. And you get issues and sometimes they let you down. Sometimes the waiting lists are, are bad. But it, it's, a real, it's a blessing from God. I genuinely believe that. To be, you know, to be, I know it's paid for tax, but free at the point of use. We don't have to fill in forms, don't have to do any of that stuff. We just, we just go, we, we get treated. Praise God. Nothing wrong with going to the doctor, but what I would say, but make sure your trust is always in God. Don't be a trust in doctors, don't be a trust in surgeons, don't be a trust in anything else. Make sure your trust is in God. Amen? And whatever your health situation is, there's stuff you're battling with right now, I just encourage you, don't be, and just quote Jesus here, don't be afraid, just believe. Amen? Just, just trust him. In it all, because again, here's that sure foundation. This world where even even health-wise, which we, which we always thought was a secure thing that we had, even that's been kind of blown out of the water, isn't it? The last 18 months, where well, suddenly we kind of people around the world have been shocked by even 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 my health. Well, I don't know if I can even guarantee that anymore. So let's build our life on sure foundations. But even your health, you can trust God in all. See the doctor, we need to talk. That's fine, great. But make sure your trust is in God in it all. Don't be afraid. Just believe amen so i just want to leave you with that what are you building your life upon in this world of shifting sands when the storms and the wind and the waves come when everything's stripped away what is actually left well the best you could possibly do this is true whether you're not yet a christian or whether you've been a christian a long time is to build your life upon jesus the most secure foundation you can possibly ever have you can trust him through every situation, your marriage, your relationships, your, your kids, your finances, your health, and any other aspect of life that I haven't mentioned. You can build your life on a sure foundation, the rock that is Christ Jesus. Amen?
Let's not ever be like the, the word Jesus says, and he's very clear what he says. He says, don't be foolish. Don't build your life on, 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 you know, on soft sand, because when the wind comes, there's only going to be one result, right? And, and the, cracks, the cracks will start to show, and, and there'll be subsidence, you know, and things won't, end, things won't end well. Let's build our life on Jesus. Amen. That sure and firm foundation. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You're so, so good. You're so, so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you that you are our sure and firm foundation. I thank you, Lord, you're with us through all the storms of life. Lord, I thank you most of all, Lord, we can build our life upon you, upon your words, Lord, upon those words in which we can put into practice. Lord, in every area of our life, our, our marriage, our finances, our health, our, our families, Lord, we can build our life upon you. Lord God, may we, Lord, we be influenced Lord, by Scripture, Lord, not influenced by the world. Lord, you said, Lord, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I pray, Lord, you will transform our thinking, transform our, Lord, our mind. Lord, may we not conform to whatever the world may want to do. Lord, may we put you first and build our life upon you. Lord, as a church body, Lord, may we have amazing marriages. Marriages that can stand, can stand through anything. Marriages that glorify you and, and honor you. Lord, we don't want our marriages to be another statistic. Lord, we want to just glorify you and honor you in our marriages in every way, Lord God. In our families, Lord God, I pray, Lord, they, they'll be built on a sure foundation. Lord, as we, as we, Lord, we bring our children up and, and, Lord, teach them about you. Lord, we pray, Lord, they won't depart from it, Lord God. Lord, that they would come to know you for themselves. Lord, if anyone here, Lord, has got children, Lord, who have departed from you and they live in their own world, and, of course, they've got to make their own choices, Lord, but we pray you will draw them back. Lord, I pray they have a revelation of you. All that seed, Lord, that's been sown into them over the months, over the years, Lord God, that will produce a harvest in their life. May they have a revelation of you, Lord God. We pray that, oh Lord, over our finances, Lord, as a church body, Lord, for your protection upon them in this world of shifting sands, Lord God, that we be a body of people that put you first in our finances and trust you. Lord, in terms of our health and all that's happened in our world and all the kind of health stuff there is, all the, all the fear that there is, Lord, we say, Lord, that we trust you. Lord, you are our source. We don't put our trust in governments, in doctors, in surgeons. Lord, our complete trust, Lord, is in We thank you for all of those, all those people do. Lord, but our complete trust is in you. Oh, God, you're our source of health. Lord, we, Lord, we, Lord, like you've said to that lady, Lord, we don't want to be afraid. We just believe. Lord, we trust you, Lord God. We want to build our lives on that sure foundation, Lord Jesus. Lord, you're such a great God. Thank you, Lord. I just want to just pray another prayer. You know, maybe you've listened to this this morning and you're not a believer currently. You're not yet a Christian. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Because I believe that every single person can have a revelation of Jesus. Every single person on this planet can know who Jesus is. Uh, can know the reality of that that's real for themselves. It's not just some just nice fairy story. It's, it's a reality that every single person can know the promise of eternal life. Every single person can answer the question, why am I here? What's my life all about? Every person can answer the question, what happens to me when I die? That massive question that so many people have. Lord God, and you are the answer to all of those. I was going to pray a second prayer, and I was going to give you an opportunity. If that's you this morning, and you think, yeah, I want God in my life. I know that my life is built on, on foundations that aren't good, or maybe not built on any foundations, but the foundations aren't good. I want to make some changes. I want to do some things differently. I want to do things God's way. 
I want to apply this wisdom that, that Jesus shared. I want to apply that to my own life. I want to build my life on that sure and firm foundation. My marriage is not good. My family's not good. The finances and health are all over the place. What I want to say to you is you need Jesus in your life. That sure and firm foundation. I just encourage you to pray this prayer. As we all just pray this together. To mean it with all of your heart. And I promise you that God will come into your life. As you ask him to reveal himself, he will show himself to you. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, that we can build your life, build our life on you, the rock. You are a sure and firm foundation. And I invite you now, Jesus, into my life. I want to live for you. I want you to have first place in every area of my life. I want to live for you. I want to know the promise of eternal life when I leave this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you've never, ever prayed a prayer like that before, and this is just between you and God, it's not about the person sitting next to you or what anyone else thinks. This is between you and your creator. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, or you're straightening some things out with God, maybe you already are a Christian, but you know you haven't been building your life on a sure foundation, and God's just challenging you on that this morning, and you've prayed that prayer just to put things back on track. I just encourage you to put your hand up to say, yeah, I prayed that prayer this morning. That's me. I need God in my life. I need to put some things in, in my life, right? If anyone this morning, don't miss your opportunity. God is so, so good. God, you're amazing. You're an amazing, amazing God. Thank you, Lord, for that sure and firm foundation that you are. Lord, we trust you. We thank you we can totally trust you in every area of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone, Lord, who's, who's dealing with storms and wind and waves in their lives right now, whatever those storms may be. I pray they would know their total security in you. They would know that reality, Lord, they would come out the other side. Lord, you promised, Lord, even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll still be there as our great shepherd, Lord God. You'll still be there to guide us and to comfort us, Lord. And I pray that every person here will know that in such a a real and powerful way you will bring us through to the other side. And you will never leave us and forsake us in in that process, in that journey. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we choose to trust you. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming at Christmas. Thank you for all that means to us, Lord God. All that you taught us. And because of that, Lord, we can build our life upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.